Um, you've probably heard of, of what I want to start with. It's, it's called the Messiah Complex. Uh, the idea that I'm, I'm actually the Savior. I've, I've got to save my company. I've got to save my family. I've got to save the church. I've got to save the country. And, and, and all of us can fall into that. Uh, some people literally have a diagnosis as a, as a Messiah Complex. There's a pretty famous study of a, a, a three men in Michigan that were at a mental institution. They were hooked up with a psychologist, Milton Roach, and he worked with them for two years. Their names were Leon, Clyde, and Joe. And they all thought that they were Jesus Christ. And so he's not making much progress with them. So he thought, well, maybe what I should do is bring them all together so they'll see there can't be three Jesuses if they interact. But he had interactions like this. One day, Leon made the the statement, I am Jesus, I am the Messiah, I am on a mission. And um, before he could get through the sentence, Joe interrupted him to say, I never told you such a thing. I've never commanded you to be the Savior. I'm the Savior. And so they're always having all these arguments. But over two years, there's some, some slow change. Finally, Clyde admitted that he was not the Virgin Mary's son but she was his mother-in-law. So I guess there was slow progress. Now, what do you say, buddy, what are you talking about here? Guys, to some point, not near as dramatic as that, all of us struggle with this Messiah complex. What is it? It's the idea that life is all about me, that the world revolves around me and what happens with me, and we struggle with that. And, And so today, I want us to talk a little bit about how we get past that, because The sin that plagues mankind from the beginning has always been pride. We all struggle with pride. And and, and you you probably struggle with pride. Let me give you a few tests. If you have ever seen a new photo of a group of people and you pretend that you're looking for someone else when really the only person you want to see is yourself, you struggle with pride. If you go to a gym with mirrors and you love to flex in front of the mirror, I see some of you right now. You struggle with pride. If you have ever worn spandex in your life, you're a prideful person, okay? We've all been there, haven't we? And so we all struggle with it. So how do we get past that? That's the spiritual discipline we're going to study today. Here's our, our, our message title is Knocking the Selfish Edges Off. How do we knock off the selfish edges? Because th- that's a nice way of putting it. You, you and I, basically, we've got more than selfish edges. We've got sort of a selfish core. How do we deal with that? Today's spiritual discipline that we talk about is service. Now, this sounds so different than quietness and meditation and Scripture reading that we've been talking about. And, and you might say, well, how is service a, a spiritual discipline? Well, let's go back to our definition and see how it fits. A spiritual disciplines are intentional ways to open space in my life to encounter God so he can change me. You say, well, how is service an encounter with God? Well, two, two, three of my favorite passages are in the Gospel of Matthew, where he talks about three different ways that we have very special encounters with God, where two or three are gathered in my name. When you come to an assembly like this, you encounter God in a life-changing way. In Matthew chapter 28, he says, when you go out and make disciples, one thing you can always know in the midst of that is that the Lord will be with you always. And then in Matthew chapter 25, in that judgment scene, 
Where Jesus says, when you encountered the poor person, the prisoner, the person without food, Jesus says, you encountered me. And they go, no way. And Jesus says, when you serve the least of these, you serve me. And so, my friend, when you're out serving, please look beyond the face that you're serving, and you will be able to see the face of God. You see, the ministry of service and the mystery of it and the beauty of it is that you are serving Jesus when you serve. Now, let's look in Scripture, and and let's see how we deal with this. How do we get past our selfish Messiah complex? Go to Philippians chapter 2 with me. We've got a church here at Philippi. It's a great church, but they've got some problems with pride and disunity. What seems to be happening, and there's, there's two ladies in the church who can't get along very well, and the church is beginning to line up behind them, and pride's beginning to prevail. And so Paul gives some of the most straightforward teaching, and I would say challenging teaching, about what we need to do. Look at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Talking about a challenge in one verse. Can you imagine what would happen in our lives if we valued other people above ourselves? You see, I have no problem valuing myself. That's natural. But to value you even on the same plane, more or less above me, is an amazing challenge. Think about all the problems in our world, from church to politics to to globally, if we valued other people more than ourselves. And then he keeps challenging them. Verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I I don't go through life just trying to take care of me, being the center of the universe. I go through life trying to take care of other people. Your interest is as important to me as my interest. Say, wow, what a challenge. What would motivate us to do this? Well, that leads us to some of the greatest verses in all the Bible. What may have been in the early church a hymn. Verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. So if you want to be a servant, the person to learn it from is Jesus. And you don't want just it to be actions. You want it to be an attitude, some translations say. You want it to be a mindset. And now here's this beautiful, beautiful hymn. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Let's stop there for a moment. What it says there is that Jesus is the very nature of God. The word being there is a really important word because it means it's his character. It's unalterable. It's who he is. It's not like he was God and he came to the earth and he wasn't God for 33 years. He couldn't do that any more than you could change who you are. He is God and he continues to be God. And then then the verse literally says, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped something to be held on to. So we almost get the idea is he came to earth and he let go of being God. But what the NIV says here, which I think is good, he didn't want to use his equality with God as something for his own advantage. He could have come to the earth as God and thrown his weight around and got his way, but that's not the way he wanted to approach us. So he is God. 
And, and then you look at verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing. Literally, he emptied himself. Again, some of us, I've misread this. Did he empty himself of being God? No, 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 no. He didn't empty himself, literally, of anything. Pay close attention to what I'm about to say. You might miss it. He emptied himself. We would say, I went to that city and I poured my life out for someone else. That's what Jesus does. So he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He's being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. How far is Jesus willing to go to serve us? This is crazy. All the way to the cross. And then we see the great paradox of Scripture. You know some of the teachings of Jesus. The first shall be what? Last. And the last shall be first. The greatest shall be your servant. It's the humble that are exalted. And that's exactly what happens with our Lord. Listen to verse 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. What's he saying? Jesus has been exalted. And my friends, whether you choose to do it right now or, or you do it in eternity, you will one day bow before him. He is God. So what do we learn about service. We learned that service is about following Jesus. That's the best place for us to learn it. Now, let me just make some points here. Service is rooted in the character of God, okay? That's what I want you to get out of Philippians chapter 2. It's rooted in God's character. You see, sometimes we read Philippians 2 this way. In spite of being God, Jesus came down to this earth and served us. He's always this royal, self-centered God, like you'd think a king would be. But for 33 years, he leaves that, and he comes to service. That's the wrong way to read this passage. It's not in spite of being God he served. It is precisely because he was God he served. He's not doing anything new on the earth that he hasn't been doing for eternity. That's who God is. He's so different than the Greek god Zeus. Zeus would disguise himself as a slave to come to this earth so that he could infiltrate mankind and so he could understand mankind so in the long run he could manipulate mankind. That's not our God. Jesus is not on earth to disguise who God is. He is on earth to reveal who God is. So when you see Jesus, my friends, don't ever forget this. That's what God's like. That's why we sort of freak out in John chapter 13. We've got the Son of God on his knees washing the stinking, dirty feet of his disciples. And, and, and I would almost want to put a caption underneath that, that amazing picture that says, what is wrong with this picture? God shouldn't be doing that. But that's not the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus would show that picture with this caption. What is right with that picture? What's right with that picture is that God himself is a servant. 
And so if we want to be servants, it's rooted in his character. Second, service is born out of time with God. That's what's so important about the things we've been studying the last few weeks. Solitude and meditation, quietness. The longer you are with God, the more you are confident enough to serve. Interesting verse in John 13 before he washed his feet. It says that Jesus knew where he was from and he knew where he was going, so he washed their feet. His confidence in his relationship with God made him secure enough to empty himself. And my friends, the longer you spend with God in reflection on Scripture and prayer and silence and meditation, the more that you find out through the Word that you are the, here's what the Bible would call you, the beloved of God, the more confident you are to go serve. So time with God leads you to serve. Next, service is motivated by seeing people the way God does. You see, the reason we're going to go serve the underprivileged, the reason we're going to serve people that we might not naturally be drawn to is because we've been with God. I mean, you ever notice that? The, the people you hang out with sort of determine your, your attitudes. If you start hanging out with a really judgmental person, you all of a sudden find yourself being judgmental, or you hang out with someone who's just highly critical, makes it their job in life to, to critique everybody, you start becoming that way yourself. Or you hang around with someone who's, who's racist, and that's the way they look at life, and before long, you, you, you find yourself being that way. And the opposite is true. You start hanging out with someone who just loves people unconditionally, someone who's kind and encouraging and giving, you find yourself being that way. Listen, here's the good news about spending time with God. The more time you spend with God, the more you will walk out of that time with God like Him. You will walk out on the streets of our city to serve. You'll walk out into your school to serve. You'll walk in your neighborhood to serve. You'll walk in this church not thinking who's going to give something to me, but to serve. You'll be in your family to serve because you're beginning to reflect the very character of God. So hang out with God and everything changes. And then we've got to say this one, service is a spiritual discipline. Please mark this down, guys. It's not natural. You have a, a natural man within you that is selfish. That's what sin's all about. And so if you say, well, you know, buddy, what I really wanted all, I just, I, I like all these things you're talking about over the last few weeks, but it's not going to happen in my life unless it just sort of naturally falls in place. Listen, it's never going to happen. That's why we call these spiritual disciplines. What it means even about service is that you've got to intentionally find places and ways to serve. It means that you've got to make a conscious effort to serve. So what it's going to mean is for most of us, we've got to put it in our schedule. You know, when, I, when I've got that, that free time at night, maybe instead of making that phone call, I go meet my neighbor's. When I got that time where I could just mindlessly search social media, I try to check on a few people with a phone call to see how they're doing. When I've got time on Saturday that's my own, do I ever think, well, maybe I just need to go out and I know someone who needs their yard cut or I need someone who needs service. I don't naturally think that way. And so to do that, we're going to have to discipline ourselves to serve. And so... This has got to be a conscious effort. And then last point here, service is life-changing. You, you see, 
When you begin to center your life on somebody beside you, it changes you. That's why we call this a spiritual discipline. There's a lot of cool things that happen when you serve. Number one, you help somebody. That's awesome. Number two, you always feel better. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, you're not so sure whether you're going to show up this coming Saturday and help with the neighborhood party. But, but for some reason, you go ahead and schedule it. You put down, you know, uh, 11 to 2, and you go, you know, uh, not my thing, but I'm going to be there. I guarantee you, if you do that next Saturday, when you walk away and you get in your car, you're going to go, you know what? I'm so glad we decided to come because you immediately feel better. When you go help somebody else, when you visit that nursing home, when you could be home watching TV, you feel better. But even beyond that, serving molds our character. It's the way God begins to knock off all those selfish edges in my life. Listen to this quotation from Richard Foster, maybe the foremost scholar on spiritual disciplines. Listen closely. There's some big words in here, but it'll make some good sense. More than any other single way, the grace of humility is worked into our lives is through the discipline of service. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service. And nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. When I go serve without anybody knowing It changes me. This is one of the great spiritual disciplines. It'll change your life. So let me give you four challenges as we close out that I think can make a difference. I want to challenge you to enter the ministry of the mundane. What's the mundane? The mundane means you do the jobs nobody else wants to do. Okay? You know, you're the one that comes to church. You're willing to set up the chairs and take down the chairs and tables. You are willing to do the ministry of the mundane. I think really that's why Jesus emphasized serving children so much. Because when you serve a little child, they can't give anything back. It's not like they, you know, I change their diaper and then they're going to be able to come help me. It's not like I feed them their body, bottle, their body, that would be bad. I feed them, <laughs> I feed them their bottle and now they're going to feed me supper. It's not like I serve them and then they're going to thank me. They're not. And so Jesus says, when his disciples are going, keep those children away. Jesus is too busy. He said, oh, no, guys, I want the children to come here. Because in serving children, you, you are changed. You know, we all understand this because children interrupt our life. I mean, how many of you have young children at home? How many of you remember having young children at home? How you remember being woke up all hours of the day and night? I mean, it sort of goes like this, you know, it's 3 o'clock, you know, the child begins to scream. And so, you know, you don't have to raise your hand on this. Anybody ever in the moment of that, you faked deep sleep, okay? The baby's crying, but you're faking it. And so when your wife gets up and she's headed out of the room, you sort of mumble something like, I'd be glad to help. See, the really cool thing about that is you get credit for wanting to help, and you also get to keep sleeping, not saying I've ever done that, okay? You see, guys, if we're all so selfish, I sort of avoid that moment. I mean, this is interesting to me. I was asking Wes Coring the other day about this neighborhood party and, and what we still needed people to sign up for. I guess he's got this. But the last thing any of our small groups wanted to sign up was for, guess what? 
clean up. The last thing we want to do is sign up for cleaning up, which would definitely discourage Mark Bullock. Anybody know who he is? Okay. Some of us old people do. All right. It would discourage, because that, that's the mundane thing. So, so be willing to go do the, where you work, do the mundane thing. In your family, be willing to do the mundane thing. In this church. A second, the ministry of being interrupted. So often, many of us who are very structured and very driven, we hate to be interrupted because I've got my schedule and I've got my things to do. But let me tell you, some of the greatest ministry in your life will be when instead of getting angry and trying to get somebody away from you, you actually stop and are willing to be interrupted and willing to serve. What you'll find out is often they are divine interruptions, and you've got to be there to serve. And then number three is so important, the ministry of obscurity. Here's what Jesus says over and over. If you're going to give, do it in secret so that your heavenly Father, who sees what you do in secret, will reward you. That's where your reward comes from. And guys, this is the motive check for us. Because often we serve to be praised. And here's what I struggle with. After I've done some selfless act of service, I'm tempted to sort of drop it in a conversation. You know, the other day I was down at Inner City, you know, serving in this project. Or, man, I, I, I love so much, you know, we have work days at church because I love spreading that pine straw. Or you just, you just find some way that you just sort of drop it nonchalantly in a conversation because really, if we want to be honest, we're trying to impress somebody. And that's why Jesus says, if you want this really to mold you, go do something for somebody that nobody, maybe even they won't know that you did it. That's the way to attack your pride. And then fourth is the ministry of bearing with. Paul says over and over, we are to bear with each other. Literally, what that means to you and I is there are people you got to put up with. You probably had some people flash before your face right then. There's all, there are people you just naturally connect with and, and you love to serve. And Jesus says, when you love somebody like that, that doesn't deserve any applause because we love people who love us. But it was in somebody that, that may be your enemy in some ways or someone who at work talked bad about you or someone who just gets on your last nerve. And you're willing to bear with them and serve them. It's a life-changing event. You may never be best friends with that person, but you will be changed and they will be changed by your service. And so here's our challenge is that we are going to allow God through service to knock off our selfish edges. And here's the cool thing. In the midst of this, we will be like God. And here's the, here's the, here's the great headline today. Our God is a servant. And you and I were made in his image. And made in his image, we begin to serve like he did. And you know, one of my favorite verses about Jesus is in John chapter 4 when he's serving that Samaritan woman. And his disciples come to him and and they've got lunch. And he says, I don't need your lunch. And they look for the McDonald's bag to figure out how he had lunch. And then Jesus says this, let me tell you guys, I don't need it because my food, what really fulfills me, sustains me, my food is to do the will of him who sent me 
My friends, when you give yourself to other people and you serve them, it will fulfill you. But it's so unnatural. It's not what we expected. It's not what people expected when God walked on the earth. Listen to this. The number one reason people rejected Jesus and could not recognize him as the Son of God was because they never could believe that God would be a servant. They thought there was something wrong with that picture of him washing feet. They thought how humble he was and who he hung out with absolutely communicated he couldn't be God, which is crazy because it was a revelation of who God is. Here's what's fascinating to me about our message today. Every one of us who've ever walked on the face of the earth, we all suffer to some degree from this Messiah complex. Everything's about me. We've all suffered from the Messiah complex. Think about this one. Except one person. And he was the Messiah. Isn't that crazy? And so this morning, I want to invite you to follow him. If you will understand the kind of God who's calling you to follow him, how can you turn down a God who comes to serve? Didn't come to be put on some kind of throne. Didn't come for everybody to serve him. You follow him. And maybe today while we sing, you need to come forward today because you're ready to to submit your life to Jesus and be baptized and to follow him, even through his death, burial, and resurrection. Or maybe today is the day that you just need to repent and ask the church to pray for you to overcome your selfishness. That would be no shock because we're all struggling with it. So as we sing these next few songs, feel free to come but also feel free to praise this amazing servant God that we follow. Let's stand together and sing.